One of my favorite shows, and it hasn't been on recently because of COVID, but one of my favorite shows is a show called The Amazing Race. And it is a reality TV show, but it's not one of the uh, more negative reality TV shows, but it's just full of a lot of adventure. And one of the things that creates the adventure in the show is the fact that they have to do a lot of navigating. They're going from one city that they've never been to to another city that they've never been to, and they don't have a lot of um, navigation skills. They don't have really maps. They don't have, they're not given a map. They're not given directions. They just have to figure out how to go there. And it's really hard to figure out how to get somewhere when you don't know the directions and you really actually don't know the destination that you're going to. And I'm pretty good at navigation and I have often thought that I would like to go on the show just to see the world, to see what it looks like, but I don't have a partner because I know that Joe and I could not go on the show together because Joe and I would not remain married if we go in on the show together. <laughs> Joe and I would definitely be divorced by the time we got off the show because Joe has been around the 285 two times, not on purpose, on accident, because he didn't listen to me when I told him that he should go a different way. If he had listened to me, he would not have taken the full circle twice, not in the same time, two separate expeditions, I'm telling you, two separate times. But he's not so good at navigation. So you put the two of us in a car with some nebulous um, uh, road trip signs, and we're going to be in a lot of trouble because he's not going to know how to tell me where to get there, and I'm going to be all sorts of upset. And this is what happens when you're trying to get somewhere, and you don't have a specific point as an end, and you don't have a strategy for getting to that specific point. Now, this is the way a lot of us lead our lives. A lot of us just get up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to make it to the end of the day. I don't really know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. A lot of us do this with our whole life. We don't really have a plan. We're just going to get up from one day to the next. And a lot of us, a lot of churches, unfortunately, that's the way we do church. We do good things because we know we're supposed to do good things as a church. But we don't really have a big purpose for those good things. We don't have a defining vision that drives the good things that we do. And so we do this random good thing and that random good thing and this random good thing, but there's no one thing that drives them all. And so we don't ever end up anywhere. We, we do a lot of good things kind of okay because we're not focused. We don't have a set thing driving where we're supposed to go. When we end up nowhere, because we didn't have a destination on our list. And what you see happening here with the disciples is that they're learning how to become a people with a vision. Because Jesus, when Jesus came and lived with us, he woke up every day of his life with a vision. He knew where he was headed, and he worked towards it. He was headed to the cross. Every day he got up and everything that he did was aimed towards that cross, was aimed towards the work of the cross. And he knew that. He knew where he was headed in three years. He knew what he needed to accomplish in those three years. And everything that he did was aimed toward that final point and what would happen after that final point. And so when he got up and loved, and when he got up and taught, and when he got up and healed and did miracles, it was all aimed towards that one moment in time 
intentional, on purpose. No meandering, no wondering, no saying, well, maybe I'll do this today, maybe I'll do that today. It was all on purpose. And we've been through that whole journey in Luke together. We saw that together. And now as we have been through the journey in Acts, seeing how the first church started, we've seen them trying to find their way. We've seen them trying to figure out who they are as a church, but we have to start with what Jesus left us with. And what Jesus left us with is pretty significant. If you'll look at our Mission Sunday sheet that I um, left you with in your bulletin, if you'll pull that out, we're going to look through this today together. I want you to go down to the middle of the sheet, and you'll see the greatest commandment. This comes from Matthew 22. Jesus left the disciples with some pretty important teachings. Three of them are the biggest ones. Matthew 22 left us with this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. That's number one. Number two is also through Matthew 22. And love your neighbor as yourself. These are things that we have to do every day. Then there's the Great Commission, which is from Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, not make believers. It didn't just say go and make people believers of Jesus and then leave them behind. It said go and make disciples, people who will change the way they live, people who will be transformed, restored, people who will grow into what it means to be a Jesus follower. That's what a disciple is. Go and make disciples of all the nations. These three things are what Jesus left behind for the disciples and for us. Now, what that looks like is different for every context. It was different for the context of the first church, and it's different for us today this year than it will be next year and the year after. And this is why churches tend to fall back after they do so well for a season. Because churches do this thing where they kind of get on a roll and and people start coming and things go really well and everything feels like it's on um, track. And they say, we got it figured out. And if we can just keep it like this forever, things will be perfect forever. But if we learn anything from the first church is that nothing stays the same forever. The context that is around the church doesn't stay the same. The context that we're in doesn't stay the same. This used to be a rural area. It used to be all farmland with farmers, and now the average age in this area right around here is 37 years old. Those are the families that live around us. They're young families, and they're unchurched. They don't have church homes. They need to be reached with the love of God, and that's where God's put us. We're right here in the middle of it. Those are the people we're called to reach. Those are the families we're called to reach out into. That's the context that we're called to answer. And just like the believers here in Acts 11, the first thing they did was share the news with the, Jew, with the Jews, the people who'd grown up believing in God. 
And then all of a sudden you have people, not even the original disciples, you have people sharing the news with Gentiles. Gentiles are people who didn't grow up knowing about God, people who had no idea that there's this one God, not a whole bunch of gods. And it's working. These people are starting to come to know that there is a God that loves them, a God that cares about them, a God that will forgive them, a God that will bring life to their souls. And the church is growing, and it's doing a good thing in this community. And this man named Barnabas hears about this, so he goes and he sees what's happening in this area. And in Antioch, when Barnabas arrives, he is amazed by the work that God is doing there. Because the, God that, the work that God is doing there is not done by any of these disciples. None of, the, none of the named disciples that you see happening all throughout the Bible, none of the ones, the Peters, the Johns, the, the Jameses, none of them are doing this work. It's just the average, ordinary guy, girl, doing the work. Yeah, that's right. They're sharing the good news with everybody, with the context that they are in, with the people who need to hear the news. They're being adaptive. They're adapting to where they are so that they can reach the people that need to hear the good news. And it is this work, the fact that they're willing to adapt, the fact that they're willing to listen to God's purpose for them in that moment that bands them together. And they're called Christians for the first time in this place called Antioch. Christians, Christ followers. Christians today, sometimes I don't want to be called one because there's a lot that goes with being called a Christian today that does not represent me, probably doesn't represent you. But what is represented by a Christian here is everything that I want to be. What is represented by a Christian here is a group of people willing to risk willing to adapt, willing to do things that are different so that they can reach people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can be restored, so that they can be transformed, and so that they can grow in the knowledge of Jesus. That's the Christian that I want to be. That's the group and community that I want to be a part of. That's the church that we're meant to be. And the vision that they are meant to hold on to is that bigger vision that Jesus called them to, to love God first, not their religion, not their Judaism, not their rules, but to love God, to love their neighbor, and to go and to make disciples and to do that in a way that fits where they are so that they can reach people with the news that needs to be shared. And so today, as we look at how we're going to do that, what our vision statement is going to be, know that this vision statement won't outlast me. This vision statement will last as long as it takes us to accomplish it or to fulfill it to a certain level to where we feel, okay, it's time for us to readdress, to reassess, 
God's calling us to look at it again. And let me show you why. We're going to try this. It didn't work first service, so let's see if it works. Alex, can we try and put up that, that image that I have? Let's see. It's going to be magic if it happens. My magic wand is working. Bing. Oh, look at it works. Well done. This is the life cycle of a church. And I'm going to come up here because I don't have a thing. I did not create this. I am um, borrowing this. But this is the way that a church goes from life to death. And usually a church starts, I'm going to show you first that V equals vision, R equals relationship, P is programs and ministries, and S is structure, like boards and all of the things that lots of churches hold on to. These are our rules. This is the way we do it. That's our structure. So when a church starts, if it's planted or, you know, we started in the 1800s. When this church stand, started, there was a vision that started this church. Somebody put it here and said there are people that need to be reached with God's love, and there was a vision for that. And that's what got it started, and that's why people started coming in this door. And then they started building relationships. So they had vision and relationships, and it built on each other. And then after building relationships, they started to build programs to feed those people, to respond to the needs of the people that they were reaching. And then with the programs, you start to build an infrastructure, the system. You put your boards into place. You start to get everybody aligned so that you have an engine that's really working. And then you get into adulthood and everything's going really well. And there have been seasons in this church from the history that you've all told me where you've been in adulthood and things have gone well, where you've been growing, where you've had new people coming, where your programs have been working and you've thought, if we could just stay right here, we don't need to change anything. But the problem is, is every time you get into adulthood, you actually need to start going back here. Because you're only going to stay in adulthood so long, because every church, that's when you start to reassess your vision. Because the vision is going to be fulfilled. You're going to you're going to grow into your vision, and then you're going to have to start looking, okay, God, we finished it. We accomplished those goals. What is next? And if you don't do that, what happens is the vision starts to go away, and you're left with relationships, programs, and structure, and then vision goes away, and then you just have relationships and structure. And then, and then in retirement, you just have programs and structure, and that's where a lot of churches get stuck today, where they have lots of programs, and lots of structure. So we have all of these programs, and they're not necessarily bad programs, right? Programs are good for a lot of reasons. We do things because we think it's good, we're helping the community, but they're not connected to any bigger vision. They're not connected together in any way. We just do them because we think they're good, but they're not necessarily connected to something that's bigger, and they're not driven by a vision that God has put us on. And we have our structure, we have our rules. We gotta follow our rules. I mean, we can't move anything around here because, you know, Bob in 1975 put that up there, and if we put that up there, we cannot take that down. And then we have death because Bob in 1975 put up, up there, and we left it up there, and then the church dies because we honored Bob and not God. And this is how a church dies instead of staying alive. Because what we're supposed to do is every time we get up here, go back here is to reassess our vision instead of following it all the way through here. 
but we get afraid because we do, we're doing so well, we're thinking we just should stay on this track. But we're not going to do that. Because now we all know. I'm teaching you, and even if they move me, which they're not going to, yet, you now know I've given you this knowledge, and you're going to stand up and say, listen, we got to have vision. We got to know what God is calling us to do specifically as a church. Otherwise, we're just doing good things for no reason. And anybody can do that. But we're called for a purpose, a specific purpose. This church right now is called for a specific purpose. And if we align our programs, if we align our ministries, if we align who we are and what we do with that vision, then we will accomplish great things for God's kingdom. We may make Bob mad by moving something that was put in place in 1975, but we will change lives. And as Jack, 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 Jacket, as Jacket says, <laughs> Bob will get over it, right? But that's the hard thing, because we have to make hard decisions in order to stay on vision, but that's the way that lives are changed, and that's the way that we make a difference in this world. It's just the bottom line. So, if you look we have our, the United Methodist mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And because we are United Methodists, that's part of who we are. So we did some work as a vision team looking at our strengths and weaknesses, if you look at the back of this page. And we outlined that our strengths are that we are kind, we are welcoming, we're family-oriented. Um, we have community missions already happening. The problem with our community missions is they're not connected together. They're not, they're not connected to a bigger vision, right? They're good stuff, they're happening, but do we have a why? Do we know why they're happening? We have amazing facilities. Do we not have amazing facilities? God has blessed us with amazing facilities. We have a great history as a church. We have hundreds of years old history. That's a beautiful thing. And we have amazing volunteers. But some of our weaknesses are this. We need younger families. The reality is if we don't get younger families, the history of this church will die. That's just a reality. We need more visitors. How do we get more visitors? We need more learning groups because we are not growing spiritually as individuals and as groups. We need more volunteers. Even though we have great volunteers, a lot of our volunteers are carrying a heavy burden, the ones who are doing the work. We need more advertising, which honestly is the easiest thing we can do. We are not using our facilities enough. We have great facilities, but we're not using them for anything. They sit empty most of the week. What can we do about that, right? And our programs are disconnected. So we outlined this during our meetings the past few months. So these are things we've already talked about. So as I prayed about our strengths and our weaknesses, as I prayed about the mission that God has, um, that Jesus has called us to with the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, we also outlined our values, which is on the front of the page. And the values that you talked about, that you hold dear to your heart, are the fact that we are radically hospitable. We are a radically hospitable group. That we hold transformative worship as being important. That we want to be intentional about our faith development. That we want to have risk-taking mission and service as high on our priority list. And engaging in val that's a that's a tongue twister. Engaging evangelism is our last one. So those are our, our, mission, our values. Radical hospi hospi hospitality, 
transformative worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service, engaging evangelism. So with all of those, I started to pray and to think about a vision. A vision statement needs to be short. It needs to be four, five, six, seven words, eight words at the most. It needs to be something that you guys could say, that you could come up here and talk about, that in the, in the world you could say, hey, I love my church. My church is about this, and it's one sentence. Um, and as I was praying about it, this is what the beginning I came up with. We're going to take whatever this is and whatever we put in our basket in a few minutes to our leadership board and finalize it. But this is where I started. This is a starting point. And this is what I have. The vision of Midway Church is to create environments for transformation, restoration, and growth. To create environments for transformation, restoration, and growth. Jesus, when he went about his work, went into the world every day. And he went out there and engaged people in transformation. He restored and he trans, I already said transformed, and he engaged people in growing their, spiritually, their spiritual lives. That's what he did every day. As the disciples went about their work, their number one priority was working to transform the lives of others while growing themselves, while at the same time restoring a community that was broken. You and I live in a broken world. You and I um, have families that, um, not just families, we live in a community that needs restoration. We are tired, we are worn down, our families are tired and worn down. We don't have anything left at the end of the day. We need restoration. We need transformation. We need to grow into the people that we were created to be. We need to know individually what our purposes are and as a community. And we need to grow, literally, and then also spiritually. So I would love to know what your thoughts are. Are there any of these words that resonate with you? Is there a word that might be missing? What are you thinking? Yes, it's on your paper, too. It's on the back of your paper. And it's creating environments for transformation, restoration, and growth. Growth. That stands out to you. It does. Dr. Hoffman came here about, what, 20 years ago or something? <coughs> and this church filled up from one thing, door knocking, mm -hmm. which I'm not good at. Because <laughs> I'm not sure what dogs are going to come running out and everything. But he and several others went out and knocked on the doors, and we had all kinds of people coming in here. And like I said, I'm not volunteering to do that. Well, you know, he who says it. There you go, Which I mean, maybe I should have said anything. You need to make him out of that committee. Yeah. No, but I hear you. We need to do, evangelism is so important. And how we do it, how we're intentional about it. All of these things we're going to, the reason why I said creating environments is because we have to be intentional. Creating means that we're going to be intentional. We're going to choose to do these things. We're going to think about all of the things that we're doing. Because we only have so much volunteer in human capital, right? We only have so much manpower. 
And I believe God's given us everything that we need to do what we're supposed to do right now. And that can grow over time. But what are we supposed to do right now with the capital, human capital that we have? And one of that is spending a lot more time equipping people and encouraging them to grow. And some of that is easy, like sharing on Facebook, right? We don't do any of that yet. We can do that easily. But the other thing is giving them things like little cards that have our time and stuff on it. Just say, hey, you know, I really love my church. You might want to try it out. And you know how easy that is just to give them that and then run away? I've done that. It's pretty, because I'm just like you. Ooh, it's hard. But stuff like that. But being intentional about it. It's important. I had somebody during the first order say that restoration was the thing that caught their mind most because they're so, so worn out. And everyone that they know is so, so worn out. They're in that 37 age bracket that is all around here. And they said that that, that was real to them. Anything? Andrew. The creating of the community because there are people out there who are surrounded by people and still feel lonely. disconnected and lonely. Anything else? What we're going to do is you have little pieces of, oh, it's on the floor, paper. I'm going to, Kyle's going to come up here and play some music while we do some praying together. I'm going to ask you to write a word. Um, it can be one of the words on that beginning of a vision statement that our team's going to work with in a little bit. The word that stands out the most to you, the one that you resonate with the most, or if there's one that's not on there that you would love to see on there, I would love for you to write that word on here. And as we pray, I'm going to ask you to come forward and put it in the middle of the crown. We're going to pray over our vision. We're going to pray over God's time with us, that this season of ministry, that God would just show us and that we would listen. And then we're going to end together in song. So I'll start us in prayer, and then I'm going to ask you to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to come forward and, and place your word in the crown. Let us pray. God, I thank you so much for calling us to a specific work in a specific place to a specific people. God, give us the courage to make hard decisions so that we don't just drive randomly around, but that we are on target, on mission, doing work that makes a difference. God, show us today what your plan is for us. Speak to us individually now. Ready, you can come forward. 